0: I'm Susan.
1: I'm Rodney. I'm
0: Kenny. And this is The Darker Side of Things. Hello, 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 and welcome back to our podcast. Rodney is in the house. <laughs> so glad to have him back. He's been gone for eons, and uh, we know that his wife. Say hi. hi. Say hi, Mom. Hi. We have some special guests. Um today I am going to include my dad.
2: Hi.
0: Okay. That's my dad. His name is Kenny or Ken, whichever Some I'm calling, you know, whatever. Um, But we're going to um, discuss a pretty sick individual. Um, And his name is David Parker Ray, better known as the Toy Box Killer. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and um, get started. Who is the Toy Box Killer? Well... That's exactly what we're going to find out. This man, David Parker Ray, was an abomination to society. And from the mid-1950s into the late 1990s, he kidnapped dozens of women in New Mexico and tortured them in his toy box, or better term, trailer of horror. Tonight, we're going to go over the details of this case and try to determine what drove him in this direction, if there was any driving factor at all. Unfortunately, in some cases, people do what they do for no apparent reason. No rhyme, no no reason, just because. For me, that's what makes uh, some cases so scary. So hang on to your hats, folks. We're about to go on a ride. First off, right. I want to talk about who David Parker Ray was. He was born, David Parker Ray, 11-6 of 1939. Boo! He's born in the month of November. Yucky. So was I, the fifth.
1: So was I. Yeah.
0: Um, in Bellin, New Mexico, to Cecil Leland Ray and Nettie Opal Parker. He had one sibling, a sister, Peggy Pearl Ray. He and his sister lived with their disciplinarian maternal grandparents, Russell and Dolly Parker. They lived on a small ranch due to their poor financial condition. His violent alcoholic father would visit on occasion and would supply him with sadomasochistic pornography. What a lovely man, making sure his son had the tools he needed to be a loving husband and father to his own children someday. One can only hope to have such a fatherly figure in their lives. Not. Back to the story. When he went to high school at Mountain Air High in New Mexico, he was bullied by his peers because he was shy around girls, resulting in his abuse of alcohol and drugs. On a personal note, I don't see this as pointing to a reason to get where he got, but that's just me. Others may see it differently back to it. His fantasies of raping, torturing, and even murdering women developed in his teenage years. When he was 14, his sister saw his sadomasochistic, that's hard to say, three times fast, especially when you have braces. Anyway, sadomasochistic drawings and pornographic pictures of bondage. This instance would result in her becoming estranged from Ray. Sounds like she had the right idea when it came to her brother. Rodney, please don't ever be like this man. (laughs) Because I I hate to say it, but I would have to disown you.
1: (laughs) I would disown me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, She saw the handwriting on the wall long before he began writing on it. He apparently began his journey into madness at a very early age, claiming, quote, I've been raping bitches ever since I was old enough to jerk off and tie little girls' hands behind their backs. End quote. The way you looked at me, dad was like, what? Yeah, this man was crazy. Uh, He told his first wife that he supposedly committed his first murder in 1957 when he kidnapped a woman, tied her to a tree, and tortured her. Authorities could not confirm this account, however. After high school, he joined the army and received an honorable discharge where he learned to work as a general mechanic. And that's probably the only honorable thing he ever did. When he got out of the service, he began working as a maintenance man for the New York-Mexico Parks Department in Truth or Consequences. <laughs> That's the name of the, the town, the city. Truth or Consequences, I'd never heard of it. It just makes me think of the show, Truth or Consequences. Uh, anyway, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, pardon me, and stayed there until his arrest. The resort town, uh, which was approximately five miles from Elephant Butt, New Mexico, yeah, contained several bars where he would hunt for his victims. In 1997, he met 37-year-old Cindy Hendy, who he met at the state park. I know, I saw that too. Yeah, Cindy Hendy. Um, She had a shady past as well. And was actually fleeing convictions on grand theft and drugs in Washington State when they met, so they were two peas in a pod. They became uh, romantically involved and bonded over their shared violent sexual fantasies. Oh, what a thing to bond over wild. In a 1993 recorded message, Ray said that his captured victims would have to sexually service her as well. I wonder what these two were like on family outings and stuff like that. <laughs> no. They probably weren't invited. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, he was divorced four times and had two children. One of which was an accomplice daughter, Glenda Jessie Jean Ray. And apparently she tried to warn the FBI about her father in 1986. But they didn't feel as if she was specific enough in what she told them for them to investigate it. If only they'd listened to her, uh, you know, maybe uh, he wouldn't have killed anybody else.
1: Well, just wondering what she said to him. To-
0: yeah, I, it, it didn't say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now let's talk about what he did. He was a combination of the worst kind. He was a torturer a serial rapist, and suspected serial killer. He had several accomplices who helped him with his dirty deeds. In fact, it was his accomplices who told police that he'd killed several women. Police suspected him of killing as many as 60 people from Arizona to New Mexico, though no bodies were ever found. The crazy thing about all of this was that he was never convicted of killing anyone. His prison sentences were for kidnapping and torture. Lengthy sentences, but not for killing. He was convicted in 2001 and died about one year later of a heart attack. I say, good riddance. He would take his victims to a torture chamber he called the Toy Bop, which was a semi-trailer that he had soundproofed. This was all done on his own property, too. So it's not like he even went out of his way to hide what he was doing. On his own property, people. For crying out loud, this guy was brazened. In this trailer, he equipped many items to which he would use on his victims for sexual gratification and torture. He held his victims for about three to four months at a time. While there, they endured sexual abuse, torture, and would sometimes involve his wife and his dog. You're just sitting there.
2: Oh, I'm just
0: listening to <laughs> what you got to say about this. Nut. <laughs> yes, <clears throat> he would allow his dog to have sex with his victims. Oh. Yes, that's disgusting. Um, and, uh, and his wife uh, participated in this willingly. So in my opinion, she's just as guilty as he is. They both are gross. After he was finished with them, he would drug them with barbiturates to attempt to erase their memories, then abandon them on the side of the road. Such a lovely chap. On to his criminal history. He would sexually torture and presumably kill his victims using a wide array of items. They included whips, chains, pulleys, straps, clamps, leg spreader bars, surgical blades, electric shock machines, and saws. This man, or devil, is more like it, was freaking diabolical i can't even begin to imagine what these poor women went through i can see these items in my mind and i just shake my head asking why why on earth did he do this why would anybody do this
1: i just think that what did the women do to deserve to be tormented and treated nothing
0: that's just it. And
1: I mean, in their life, why wouldn't they
0: you, Oh, you're saying karma or whatever. Yeah. Well, I I, th- I think that some of them were, um, not all of them, but some of them were prostitutes. But that's still, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, if, whether you're a prostitute, a movie star, or you're a high corporate lawyer or whatever, they nobody deserves what he did to
2: them. Well, it's not unusual because... I worked with a young man whom his fantasy was to kidnap a young lady and have her enjoy what was taking place and submit to him. Yeah. one of them he killed with a hammer, beat her brains out. Then he ran over her. He ended up in prison, mm-hmm. and that is a fact, in the city of
0: Cincinnati,
2: Ohio. Oh, hi.
0: Well, there's some crazies here, too, I'm telling you. Yeah, there's, some cra- there's crazies all over the place, let me tell you. But you used to work with this guy? Don't say his name.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: Wow. They're just everywhere. They're right around the corner. You open the door, boom, there they are. I don't know. Okay, let's get back on track here. It's believed that he tortured many women with these tools for years with the help of accomplices, some of which were alleged girlfriends. He, I, I mean, just the people that he picks, it's like, how, how would you even go about finding somebody with the same likes as this? How, how would you do that? What kind of conversations would you have? I mean,
1: what you could look up on the Internet or whatever, what their charges were.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I mean, I just wonder if if that was the only type of women that he could find to beat his girlfriends were um, women who had committed crimes prior or um, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, back to it. He would uh, also use uh, detailed diagrams showing different ways of causing pain. Also, he used a homemade electrical generator to electrocute his victims. He made one of his victims walk around like a dog, complete with leash, and refused to give her food or water. Is anyone familiar with the book American Psycho? i am no it's it's I've a never read it it's a really crazy crazy book um it's the guy is gross well apparently yeah that's him yeah i've got a picture of him um apparently he had a copy of it and used it as inspiration for his deeds in all it's believed he spent about a hundred thousand dollars on this trailer of horror Fitting it with all kinds of sex toys and torture devices. Can I say sexual deviant? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Of course, we'll allow you this (laughs) time. Yeah. (laughs) He went even further by constructing elaborate contraptions to confine his victims, such as a fur-lined coffin and makeshift pillory. If you're asking what's a pillory, you're not alone. I asked myself the same question. I had to look it up. So a pillory is a device formally used for publicly punishing offenders consisting of a wooden frame with holes in it, which the head and hands could be locked. It was used to expose someone to public scorn or ridicule. In addition to this pillory, he used elaborate locks and pulley systems to prevent his victims from escaping. He put a mirror on the ceiling of the trailer so his victims could watch themselves being raped and tortured. I guess he thought if they saw what he was go- uh, what he was doing to them, uh, then they would enjoy it. I, I have no idea why he did that, but it's, yeah. But uh, no, he did it so they could watch him destroy them because he got off on it.
1: But you said earlier he uh, had problems with his mother, right?
0: Um, well, I mean, he lived with his, um, with his, uh, grandparents and they were very strict, very strict. And then his dad was an abusive, sadomasochistic alcoholic. Um, but it didn't really say anything about his mom. Mm. So, yeah, Uh, I I was thinking the same thing. He has mommy issues, but I don't, I don't think that's the case here. Um, he would also put his victims in a contraption that would bend them over and keep them immobilized so his friends could rape them and also his dog. Yes, I said his dog. I have no words to describe this thing posing as a human. I think that saying he was, a, he was sick is an understatement. Yeah, he, he had a lot going on. One of Ray's torture techniques was to play mind games on his victims. He would play pre-recorded tapes that he made. One example is this transcribed recording, and this is a quote. I get off on mind games. After we get completely through with you, you're going to be drugged up real heavy with a combination of sodium (laughs) pentothal. Sorry, people, I, I have issues with these words and phenobarbital I-, I hope that's how you say that. I'm not really sure. Um, they are both hypnotic drugs that will make you extremely susceptible to hypnosis, auto-hypnosis, and hypnot- hypnotic suggestion. You're going to be kept drugged a couple of days while I play with your mind. By the time I get through brainwashing you, you're not going to remember an effing thing. I'm not going to say the F word, people, sorry, Um, thing about this little adventure, end quote. Again, no words here for how crazy this man is. Currently, there isn't an exact number of murder victims he's claimed over the years. Investigators believe he raped, tortured, and killed up to 60 people over the entirety of his life, but haven't found any bodies again. He did keep a detailed diary of what he did to each victim, but he never said where he buried the bodies. According to Cindy Hendy, you know, one of his accomplices who would participate in these crimes said Ray's fatal victims were dismembered and buried and, or dumped in the elephant butt, Lake or, excuse me, sorry, in nearby ravines. After his arrest, he agreed to show police where he buried his victims, but unfortunately he died before he got a chance to do so. The FBI released hundreds of images in 2011 that were collected during this investigation of Ray. They believed some of these items belonged to his victims. So let's go over his suspected victims. The first one that we're going to go over, his name is Billy Ray Bowers. He was fifty years of age at the time he disappeared from Phoenix, Arizona, on September twenty fifth, nineteen eighty eight. He did men too. Well, I guess just this one. Um, the he's the only one that that's mentioned that I uh, that could you find. Found? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or um, was
1: he an accomplice?
0: No, this man, after, at the time, he disappeared from oh, Phoenix, disappeared. Arizona. Yeah, okay. yeah. Almost exactly a year later, his body was discovered, wrapped in a blue chart found by a fisherman at McCray Cove at Elephant Butt Lake in New Mexico. There was no identification found on the body, and it was determined he'd been shot in the back of the head. He was eventually identified as Bowers in March of 1999 by dental record comparisons. He was a co-owner of Canal Motors, a used car business located on North Van Buren Street in Phoenix. Ray was employed there as a mechanic and was described as very talented, but would often butt heads with Bowers. So he probably got pissed off at him and Killed killed him. Yeah. He was. Uh, it was Hendy, while incarcerated, that said Ray told her he killed him and dumped his body in the Elephant Butt River. So good to know. She got hers, too, uh, and went to jail right along with Ray. I hope she rots there because she's just as evil as he is in my book. The second one that I'm going to mention is Jill Suzanne Croya. Just 22 years old, and I I hope I um, no disrespect to the fam her family or anything. Um, I hope that I pronounce pronounce that name correctly. Um, she was last seen at the Frontier Restaurant near the 2400 block of East Central in Albuquerque, New Mexico, on September 10th, 1995. She was friends with yep, you guessed it, Ray's daughter, Glenda Jessie Ray. They were together the night she disappeared. Witnesses said that Jill and Glenda were seen together arguing. According to Glenda, she left Troya at the restaurant, and then she, Glenda, left to go to the Elephant Butt Reservoir with her father, David. She was never heard from again. Coincidence? I don't think so. Ray wrote about one of his victims and described her as Asian who just so happened to fit Troy's description. Third, the third one. In December of the same year, according to Ray's journal, he abducted and murdered a woman named Connie, no last name given. Among the possessions associated with, victim, with victims, there was a two-page letter dated June of 1990 to a woman named Connie from an Australian man named Mark, again, no last name. According to Ray, she was 18 years old, long blonde hair, a birthmark on her chest, and was 160 centimeters tall, so she was about 5'2". The Australian Federal Police and FBI did an investigation in hopes of locating this mark guy, but unfortunately didn't find anything helpful. Her remains haven't been found and they can find no links to the unidentified or missing persons so th- that's just so sad uh, there's a family out there who has no idea where Connie is or that she met her end by the hands of this maniac and so I, I just feel bad for them you know they they'll never know where their daughter is or sister or whatever her friend um, fourth is Sylvia Marie Parker, age 22. Sylvia was a homeless woman who lived on the shores of Elephant Butt Lake. She was an acquaintance of Ray's through his, who? Daughter. You guessed it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's diabolical too. Ray's daughter supplied Sylvia with methamphetamine and cocaine. Gee, what a great gal keeping your friend supplied with the goods. Sylvia was also the mother of two children, those poor babies. Uh, I hope they uh, found a good home to go to. Uh, Sylvia was living with her two children in, in a tent that she borrowed from Ray. So she actually knew him. This girl that he killed, he, she knew him. Police later found out that her boyfriend at the time, Dennis Yancey, one of Ray's accomplices, uh, Oh, yeah, was, was Dennis Yancey, one of Ray's accomplices. She disappeared on July 5th, 1997 and was abducted by Ray and company. They subjected her to several days of torture before Yancey strangled her to death under Ray's orders, of course, obviously. Yancey took place or t- uh, Yancey uh, took police to where they dumped her body along with Ray and Cindy Hindi but the body wasn't there. Yancey, along with police, suspected that Ray had come back and moved the body just in case Yancey went soft and told anyone where she was. Ralph Tudor, 61 years old, was fishing in the Elephant Butt Lake on June 30th, 1999, at about 10.30 a.m., when he got caught on his line an 80-pound gunny sack filled with what he thought was animal flesh. The sack was split along the seam. It was then he thought it might be human remains and contacted the police. The police examined the sack and did confirm that it was human r- remains, but no organs or bones, just the flesh, I guess. So, yeah, so it looks like he de them, basically. Um... That meant the body was mutilated and dismembered before being dumped in the lake. Allegedly Ray said, quote, the thing is to the the thing to do is cut them down the belly, scoop out their guts, fill the chest cavity with cement weights, and then use bailing wire to wrap them up. End quote. So he, he really had a way with words, didn't he? um, He is uh, one of the sickest individuals I have ever heard of. Just so nonchalant, making a statement like that, like uh, people didn't matter to him at all. They weren't people, just flesh. Police did find bones in the lake, a human leg, in 2011. She was identified with DNA, but was not associated with raised victims or any reported missing persons. Now I'm going that to. That was just, the body he
1: found, or that that fisherman found. Uh,
0: no, he found a sack of what he thought uh, was just um, what was it here? That's right. You, you meant to go let Dixie in. Yeah. Um, he found um, a sack that he thought was animal flesh, and as it turned out. It was human flesh. There were no organs or anything like that. It was just the okay. skin. There were no bones, nothing in there. Okay. So, like I was telling Dad, it sounded like that he derobed them, basically, and just took off their skin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: He, he's just, he's disgusting. <clears throat> uh Now I'm going to discuss a firsthand account of what happened to one of his victims who actually escaped this monster. So glad she got away to tell her story. That's for sure. I'm not going to mention her name uh, here for privacy reasons, so let's begin. On March 19th, 1999, a 22-year-old woman was soliciting in Albuquerque, New Mexico. She was approached by a man posing as an undercover cop and told her she was under arrest for solicitation of sex work and then put her in the back of his car. That man was David Parker Ray. He then brought her to his nearby trailer of horrors, I call it, but he called it his toy box. He brought her inside that, you know, that's, that's a disgrace to all toy boxes. (laughs) You know, now that I think about it, it's like, dude, you get, no, don't take away from kids toys. You know, that's just, yeah. Um, He brought her inside and chained her to a table. Over the next three days, he raped and tortured her with the help of his girlfriend, Cindy Hendy. They used whips on her, medical and sexual instruments, as well as electric shock. They also hung her from the ceiling and put her in a coffin. Just before he would torture her, he would play one of his pre-recorded cassettes. On this cassette, he told her exactly what to expect. It goes a little something like this. He would explain that she was to refer to him as Master. And the woman with him, she was to call mistress. She was never to speak unless spoken to first. He then detailed how he would rape and abuse her. He said he'd stretch her nipples to the breaking point. He also told her that he would, she would never see her family again and that he was going to kill her. On the third day while Ray was working, Hindi accidentally left the key to the restraints on the table near the woman, and she was able to get free. Thank goodness. Yeah. That's determination right there. Hindi attempted to stop her, but she was able to stab Hindi with an ice pick. Good for her. I hope she went in deep with whatever it was she stabbed her with. She is uh, just uh, just as vile and disgusting as, as Ray is. She then fled the trailer wearing only a slave collar with padlocked chains. She knocked on the door of a nearby mobile home and the occupant let her in and they called police. It was at that point police arrested Ray and Hindi and learned all about what they had been doing. So, so glad she managed to get away. I hope she's recovered uh, completely.
1: I don't know if you could ever recover from something
0: like that. Well, yeah, I know, yeah. Uh, Psychologically, I I don't think you could ever recover from something like that. You'll be able to move on, but yeah. I'll bet she's never slept
1: all night.
0: Probably not. Since Um, then. Yeah. Um, In case anybody wondered, that was my mom in the background, if you're having a difficult time hearing. uh, She said that she uh, has probably never slept, has probably not slept, a full night since the, her ordeal. Um, she's a survivor. This lady is a survivor with a capital S. After Ray was arrested, another victim who escaped came forward, Angelica Montano, who actually knew him. She knew David. She had visited him one day to borrow some cake mix. Ugh, he's just... he. I don't know. She comes over. It's like, you know, back in the olden days, they'd go, can I borrow a cup of sugar? And then somebody jerk you in the house and, and rape you and kidnap you. And uh, uh, this man, he just, he, I just don't even know. Um, so she came to get some cake mix and then he drugged, he drugged, raped and tortured her. After he was finished with her, he took her to a highway out in the desert and left her there. Luckily, she was found alive by the police. Interestingly, though, there was no follow-up on her case. I wonder why that was. That uh, has me perplexed why they didn't follow up. Another of Ray's victims escaped. I'll not mention her name either for privacy purposes, This woman was also a friend of Jesse Ray's David's daughter. Oh, gosh! She didn't get a very big sentence either, by the way, in case you're wondering. Maya's daughter played a big role in his awful doings. Anyway, this woman had gotten into an argument with her then, uh, or she had gotten into an argument with her then husband and went to a local saloon to calm down with Jessie. They played pool, and unbeknownst to her, Jessie roofied her beer. At some point, she was brought to the toy box, and for the next two days, Ray tortured and abused her. He then slit her throat and dumped her on the side of the road, leaving her for dead. Fortunately, she survived the awful attack. Unfortunately, her husband at the time nor police believed her story. It was because uh, her husband thought she cheated on him that night. And then uh, he uh, filed for divorce that same year. Now, I don't know what their situation was at the time, but that's pretty cold if you ask me, (laughs) especially if she did in fact go through that ordeal, you know, for him to divorce her. That didn't happen. I'm divorcing you because you went out on me. No, dude, I was kidnapped. <laughs> um, due to the well, drugs, and they see the. And now, see that was another question too. that's, and I'm going on to talk about that. Due to the drugs in her system, she had limited recall of all of the events, but did know she had been raped by Ray. So my question is this: If her throat had been slit, why on earth did the police or her husband not believe her? That would be evidence of it happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. It would. Yeah. But it doesn't say if, I mean, the, the from what the information that I found, it didn't say anything further about the, her throat or nothing like that. It didn't say anything that she went to the hospital or nothing like that. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I was just was a reporter. What? You have to talk loud. Was there a reporter? No, that there was nothing like that in here. My mom wanted to know if there was a reporter, but no, that I mean, like I said, there was nothing that was reported in here. There was no. There's no, no records about the hospital or anything like that. Scary. Yeah, so. What what was you going to say? I forgot what I was going oh. to oh, say. Yes. weirdo. Yeah, he's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. That just has me curious um, as to why they didn't believe her. So, why did David Parker Ray do all of this? That is a question for the ages. But everyone must understand, this man was not normal. He was sick. In fact, he was diagnosed as a criminal sexual sadist by the FBI. He got off on doing this stuff. That's why he did what he did. In his trial, he had the audacity to say he was having consensual sex with his victims and told the media that it was he who felt raped by the accusations oh Oh my gosh are you freaking serious he felt rage (laughs) I've heard it all wow Um,
2: he wasn't able to
0: feel anything no he wasn't he wasn't he maintained his innocence throughout his trials and he was tried on three different occasions to maximize the prison sentence, which, by the way, came to 223 years in prison. Unfortunately, he only served one year of that sentence before he died. Strange, but he got off easy, I think, by dying. How did he die? A heart attack. Heart attack. Yeah, Surprise. he
1: died. Are you sure it wasn't code up that the other inmates beat him?
0: Uh no I I don't know I mean that does happen and we've heard of cases that that does happen I mean that's what happened to Jeffrey Dahmer you know they sodomized him and rightfully so because he was is e- equally evil uh, but no it it just said that he died of a heart attack so I don't know in 1999 Cindy Hendy went to trial and was sentenced to 36 years in prison. She was released in 2019, only serving 20 years of that sentence. Why? She was just as guilty as him. Was it good behavior? Uh, I don't know. It didn't say.
2: There shouldn't be any.
0: She participated in all of it. So why should she get released? I just don't understand the legal system sometimes. People who deserve to be there get released early, and people who don't deserve to be there have to stay. Makes no sense to me at all. Uh, Your
2: behavior
0: should of club. No, it shouldn't, not in these situations. But she, well, probably what happened was she supplied them with all of the details, and that was part of her plea deal. The yeah,
2: bargaining, yeah. Yeah,
0: that was part of her bargaining, and unfortunately, that happens all the time. I don't agree with it, but they put people behind bars because of it. So. Also, Ray's daughter was sentenced for the part she played, but she only got two and a half years. Yeah, I'd make that face too, Rodney. That was yeah. She only got two and a half years. Rodney's mouth got all contorted, and and he was like, "What?" <laughs> she did, however, get five years of probation. So I guess that's supposed to make us all feel better. Maybe she provided information in exchange for lesser time. I don't know. But again, I don't understand how all that works.
1: She could have said, well, he made me do it. He's my dad. He made me do it.
0: Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Yeah. She lured people yeah. to, to their demise. Um. But again... Uh, I, again, I, I, don't understand how any of that works. Um,
1: well, he could have done the same thing to her, which made her like it, you know?
0: No, that's a possibility. I mean, I didn't find any information that he had ever done anything to his daughter. I, I don't know. So, um, could it be, uh, that she, uh, got a lesser sentence because she was a woman? That is a possibility. It's, it's not unheard of. For that to happen, that's not to say, however, that that's what happened. This is just my opinion. It's not a fact. At any rate, these women suffered terribly, and some were murdered. The sentences for the women just don't add up. There was probably some side deals that went down, as we discussed. That's what usually happens anyway. Personally, I don't think deals should be allowed to be made. Granted, good can come from those deals, but for people like this, I just don't think they should. The justice system and how they catch and try criminals just blows my mind. Since I've been doing this podcast, I have come across some doozies that just don't make any sense on how their sentences are applied. It's all a dirty business, and whether you get the book thrown at you or not, they do what they do. So that, my peeps, is the terrifying story of David Parker Ray. So what do you all think? I think that he pretended his sickness. I think. Well, the, the FBI said he was a criminal sadist.
2: Well, he may have been a criminal sadist. But he knew how to get around it because of these things that he was doing, he had to study them and to find a way out Mm -hmm. each and every time that he did one of these things. Yeah. So...
0: Well, a lot of the criminals, they, they plead insanity, and in, you know, in a lot of their cases, yep, and they, they act it. They act. Some actually get away with it because they're so good at acting at it. Mm-hmm. You know? Some people are just born evil. I mean, some people were just born evil. You agree? Born yeah. evil? Yeah. I agree. So uh, I mean, they're, something's not firing in their brain. <laughs> <laughs> to make them do this kind of stuff, it's just it's like, what? <laughs> um, so what are your thoughts, uh, audience? Uh, if you want, you can let us know your thoughts and send them to us on our Facebook page at the Darker Side of Things podcast. Send us your own stories to tell. Any kind. All are welcome. <laughs> Go into the light. Right. Um, yeah, i got to throw a little humor in there because this guy is just, he's disgusting. Um, but you can send those to um, the Darker Side of Things at, or the Darker Side of Things number one at gmail.com. You can also follow us uh, on Twitter at Susan Rod 6965 and on Instagram at the darker side of things pod. I want to thank you all for listening, and I want to thank my dad for joining, and my mom and Rodney's wife, Evelyn, in the background. I hope you all were able to hear their comments. And welcome back, Rodney. I'm glad to have you back.
1: Well, I'm going to have my other leg operated on, so. <laughs>
0: well we we actually i came over to my parents to do the podcast so we could all do it together we thank you for the nightmares (laughs) you're welcome glad i could help um so everybody stay safe keep it real stay away from the rabbit holes as always they are dark and they are okay everybody so um when i went to press stop at the end of the episode um, I don't know what happened, but everything got condensed down. <laughs> and I don't know how to get it back out. So I um uh, I apologize if there's uh long pauses or whatnot in here. Um I, like I said, I, I don't know how to uh get it to go back to normal. Um, but I'm sure that it'll work itself out when I open up a new one um, next week when I do another episode. So I apologize if, again, if there's any long delays or anything like that. So uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I had fun doing it with my family and uh, I will probably be including them in a lot more episodes. So anyway, thank you so much. Bye.